Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network. Researchers concluded that statin therapy, which is used every day by patients for lowering their cholesterol, reduced deaths by 40,000, 60,000 fewer hospitalizations and heart attacks, and 22,000 fewer hospitalizations for strokes. Welcome back to a new season of Healthcare Matters, the podcast that pulls back the curtain to help you make sense of complex healthcare economics and policy issues. He's Dr. Robert Popovian, joining us from Washington, D.C., a pharmacist, economist, and chief science policy officer at the Global Healthy Living Foundation. And across the country in Seattle, Washington, he's my good friend, Connor Mertens, patient advocate and community outreach manager at the Global Healthy Living Foundation. Well, Robert, we covered a lot of ground in our first season, and as we start the new year, we're glad you're here too for the start of season two. We sure are, and one thing that has helped us was your feedback that we like to share to start each episode with. Well, Robert, let's get to this week's uh, review then. DRP writes, if you want to learn about how economic and policy issues impact you as an individual or patient, listen to these podcasts. Thanks for your review. We invite you too to go to Apple Podcasts and write a positive review and leave an honest five-star rating. And wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, or wherever, click the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Excellent. Let's get into this episode then. So Robert, can we talk about how biopharmaceutical companies go about developing their drugs and how they find their value in those drugs? What are the three most important steps in the development of a drug and the evaluation of the value of that drug? Stage one is when pharmacists discover and develop a molecule. Companies spend billions of dollars comparing the novel medicine to the standard of care or treatments. Okay, so that's stage one. What would stage two be in that process? So stage two is really when the investigation of the patient outcomes comes into play. And a lot of times we have to utilize what we call clinical surrogate markers because we cannot see the true outcome for that patient. For example, if the biopharmaceutical company is developing a medicine for treatment of hypertension, it takes years to see the effect. Therefore, they need to utilize surrogate markers like level of blood pressure to evaluate the patient. And that's the second stage that comes into play. In some instances with certain disease areas, it is easier to look at mortality and morbidity during that time period. But in most chronic diseases, as you well know, Connor, the evaluation will depend on surrogate markers. Right, because a lot of times with chronic disease, those symptoms present over time and they're, they're exactly what they sound like, chronic. So we can't expect to see overnight results from these drugs and therefore collecting the data on the efficacy and value of it. You can't do that overnight. You need time to create that data, right? Exactly. The final stage is stage three, which is when researchers are able to observe and appraise the long-term value of these medicines. Yeah, Robert, when we're considering the cost and value of innovative pharmaceuticals, what makes time so important to that? Well, time is a finite commodity in the biopharmaceutical ecosystem, and it is defined by patent life. And as such, there's only limited opportunity for a medicine to realize a financial return that will fund future research endeavors. So time becomes a point that the true value needs to be assessed, but it's a finite commodity, hence value of some of these drugs will occur years down the line, for example. Well, before we get too far into the process of it, I think it's going to be important for us to define value for our listeners today. What definition are we going to be working off for the word value? That's a great question. 
value is not only defined as a medicine having long-term positive economic consequences, but also social and human benefits, such as improvements in quality of life and productivity of a patient. The focus is oftentimes on the former, which is the economic benefit, and few times on the latter, which is the patient benefits. Right, Robert. And it takes a while for those patient benefits to start coming to fruition. We don't see, especially in chronic patients with chronic disease, they don't see the results overnight from using these medications. Is that right? That is true. Also, the societal value takes even longer. For example, in a study published in 2012, a year after the most prescribed statin lost its patent exclusivity, researchers concluded that statin therapy, which is used every day by patients for lowering their cholesterol, reduced deaths by 40,000, 60,000 fewer hospitalizations and heart attacks, and 22,000 fewer hospitalizations for strokes in 2008. But this is important because it occurred a year after the most prescribed statin went off patent. So the true value was not published and didn't become publicly acknowledged until a year after the product was basically lost its exclusivity. So I guess let's dive into that a little bit more is when these patents end, what does that mean for these drugs? What does that mean for innovation? Excellent question, because when patents end, the value of these medicines don't end and the value continues in perpetuity. You know, we don't stop using these medicines just because they're off patent. They become generics or they become biosimilars. And in fact, their utilization may increase over time. But the value is absolutely important to evaluate because another example that I always use with patients is the treatment of chronic myelogenous leukemia, CML which is a type of a cancer, a blood cancer. It used to be that the survival time after diagnosis of CML was basically between three to five years at the time of diagnosis. Today, because of the innovation through these new therapies, the tyrosine kinase inhibitors, in one study published in 2011, patients achieved stable response and had an overall survival rate of 95.2% after eight years, which is similar to having regular life expectancy in the general population. So these medicines over time provide demonstrable value that cannot be captured during the patent life. But it's important for society as these products lose patents and they become generics and biosimilars, the value continues in perpetuity. Okay, so when we're talking about time and biopharmaceutical research, how does that evolve? How does that come about? Is there like a set process for that? Yeah, there's a set process. And a lot of that process is to going through the regulatory approval process, which takes time. And rightfully so, because we want to make sure that these medicines are safe and effective. And they're going to basically provide the endpoint results for the patients that are promised. But Again, because of this reason, we don't see the true value of these medicines until years down the road. And unfortunately, the other problem besides time is the access to data that limits our ability to evaluate the value of these medicines. And we sometimes rely on decades-old data to really see what happened to the patient while they were taking the medicine. And in the era of Twitter and Snapchat, where we have real-time access to statistics regarding our social media activity, we still rely on older information to determine the prognosis of the most precarious commodity, which is our health. So Robert, today we really discussed the concept of value and especially time when it comes to biopharmaceutical production. But as always, we want to make sure you get the last word and kind of tell us what should we take away from this? Look, Connor, no one disagrees that we have a moral obligation to evaluate the price and cost of innovative biopharmaceuticals in the sphere of overall costs. 
there's no doubt about it. We need to do that as a society. We all know that a small number of patients are under tremendous amount of financial pressure like never before. We've seen this and there's been opportunities for Congress to address that. And we've talked about it in our previous podcast. However, we need to put the price of the medicines to the long-term value they deliver years later. And that's going to be the challenge for our policymakers is that how do we evaluate value when there's the commodity of time, which is a very short supply and not to lose sight of that as we're making decisions about what drugs should be covered, what drugs should be paid for, and who should have access to those medicines. Well, and really that's the challenge that I see when I'm working with patients. The benefit of these therapies is really comes from the long haul. It's rare that you see you know, an overnight shift. So as Robert said, time is a very important and valuable thing, especially when you're living with chronic disease. Connor, that was a perfect reflection of how patients feel about their chronic diseases and the value of time. Well, we hope you learned something too. We'd love to hear from you. Send your email or an audio clip to healthcarematters at ghlf.org. And thanks for listening to Healthcare Matters, a podcast that pulls back the curtain to help you make sense of complex healthcare economics and policy issues. And we invite you to go to Apple Podcasts and leave an honest five-star rating and write a positive review. It's going to help people like you find people like us. And wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, or anywhere, click that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. As always, he's Dr. Robert Popovian. And he's Connor Mertens. See you all next time. Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network.